Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the D-Rays Bay Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford, and on today's episode, we're talking all about the draft. When spring training came to a halt in March, just two weeks before the scheduled start of the season, a lot of question marks were raised about the draft. Would it even happen? Well, it is happening this coming weekend, and I've got two great guests on the show today to break it all down. First, joining uh, joining Raise Your Voice for the first time is Bradley Nevue. Brad, how you doing, man? Hey, good. Thanks for having me on the on the show. And uh, also joining the show today is JT Morgan, another great writer at D Race Bay. JT, how you doing, buddy? Good. Thanks for having me. And, and you guys, again, and if, if you if, if the listeners, if you're noticing a, a trend here, I find people that are way smarter than I am to talk about these <laughs> topics. We had Brian Menendez on to talk about Blake Snell and and pitching statistics and, and some stat cast data. And now I've got two more great guests on today to talk about the draft. Now with everything that's changed with major league baseball this season, well, we don't even know if there will be a season. Uh, the draft has also changed. A lot of people doubted that the draft would even happen. I think that would have been disastrous, but the draft was shortened from 40 rounds all the way down to five rounds. Now that might seem drastic, but obviously it does open up the possibility for more undrafted free agents. Now, the, the catch there is that the highest signing bonus that an undrafted free agent can sign for this year is now $20,000. Uh, teams can delay signing bonuses for players that are drafted, and, and, and there's a ton of other smaller details uh, that, that are included here with this draft. But, but Brad, what are your thoughts on, on the shortened format? You know, how do you think it will affect players, prospects, guys coming out of high school, or guys that were going to leave college early um, that still might have eligibility left. Yeah. Uh, so the, I mean, the big thing that, you know, you touched on is we've got five rounds now instead of 40. So there's a ton of players that are not going to get drafted uh, that were probably thinking that they had a pretty good shot of getting drafted. And um, you know, with that, with that cap for, for undrafted free agents being 20,000 now, instead of, you know, I believe it was a, 125,000 um, for, for any player, sorry, any player after, after round 10, um, you know, that's a huge chunk of cash that these, these guys are missing out on. And um, a lot of them, I think we're going to see uh, choose to go back to college, either uh, high school prospects that um, were thinking that they were going to go into the draft uh, as a, you know, through high school or uh, a sophomore or a junior going back for um, another season or, or two. Um, so we're going to see um, a lot of players just choosing to to continue with, with school. Um, so I think we'll see the, the pool of players um, uh, cut down. Uh, that said, I, I still think we, we've got a pretty good crop of, of college players to choose from in this draft. And, and JT, do you think that could lead to an influx of talent in, in next year's draft with players that are returning to college or – maybe high school players that decide to go the junior college route so they could maybe enter the draft next summer? There will be a snowball effect in the next two drafts from players not being able to sign this year. And, and, and how do you think teams will deal with that in, 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 with this draft in, in terms of signing bonuses? As far as signing bonuses, it's going to be a five-round draft. So we're going to have almost 200 players drafted. And typically for uh, players that uh, will get realistic signing bonuses, it's usually going to be about double to triple that. 
So okay. we're going to see probably about two to 300 players opt to go either stay in college or go to college, either junior college or a four-year out. And, and, and I think this is interesting because, uh, you know, you, you have the draft, which is so long. And even when it's 40 rounds, you don't sign 40 players to join your organization yeah. in, in yeah. baseball. You have a lot of players drafted late in the draft where, you know, they're, they're already committed to a college. Their signability is probably pretty low and teams will draft them with pretty much no realistic chance of signing them. And they know that that's kind of part of, you know, not an unwritten rule, but that's just how the draft has gone in previous years. Um, but this year it is going to be interesting because there are only five rounds and we can only preview it so much because we've never seen anything like this. This is unprecedented, uncharted territory for, for baseball fans and baseball writers and people that study the draft. And another thing that, you know, the Rays don't pick until 24th. It's not like 2017 when they had the number four overall pick and were able to take Brendan McKay who they could fast track to the big leagues. Um, they're not going to get their pick of the litter in this year's draft. There are a lot yeah, of talented players on the top half, but Brad, who are you thinking out, out of, out of the guys that could maybe go in the top 10 picks is, is the best prospect in this draft that maybe general baseball fans should keep an eye on. Um, okay. So yeah, towards the top of the draft, you know, some guys that, there's pretty much no chance um, we're going to see drop to the Rays pick at, at 24. You know, you got uh, Torkelson, I think, is maybe not the consensus top pick, but almost all of the mocks um, are seeing him go to uh, the Detroit Tigers at, at number one, and which is – it's crazy. I mean, they, it, it, he would be the first college – first baseman to go number one overall I think in like 20 years or something like 19 or 20 years something like that so um, that's putting a lot of trust in his bat I think so it, it really must be something special and I've watched some videos and and it I mean the the sound coming off of his bat and the, you can just see in the videos the exit velocity coming off of it is really something special so um, yeah there's I mean I think it's almost a lock that, that he goes number one to, uh, to the Tigers. So um, I'd be surprised if he didn't. And then um, there's, I've seen some mocks go some different ways after that. You got Zach Bean um, uh, going to anywhere in the, in the top 10 really. Um, but I've seen some shakeups where, um, you know, he could go as high as number two uh, in baseball America's most recent uh, shakeup mock. And you got, um, you know, Austin Martin, Emerson Hancock, you got um, Asa Lacey, uh, guys like that. So a, a lot of all these names, you know, I, I don't think we're going to see any of them go uh, drop down towards the end of the first round to where the Rays would have any chance. Um, someone in the middle of the first round that I will be watching for is um, Nick Visco. Um, it's a high school pitcher I don't think he's going to make it to the Rays but he's been working with uh, driveline a lot uh, during this downtime and um, Kylie McDaniel actually wrote up a good piece on him at, at ESPN uh, talking about some of the metrics that he's been showing with uh, with driveline and, and his stuff is really starting to ramp up so 
I don't think there's any chance he drops to the Rays just because that information is is out there and uh, his pitches are looking so good. But um, he's someone that I'm really keeping an eye on as well. In, in, in Brad or JT, I guess this question could go to either one of you. Um, but we, we talked about the format. And obviously in baseball, you can draft players out of high school or out of college. Do you guys, you know, if, if it's speculatory or if there's any, you know, reason to believe this, will we see more of a run on college players, specifically in the first round, maybe the first two rounds or the first round and the sandwich round, um, more so than we would? Are, are high school players going to be less likely to be drafted higher early on? I think high school players are going to be less likely to be drafted because they're going to have more leverage to request higher signing bonuses. But it's also the strength of this draft is really in the college ranks anyway. There are about a dozen or so pitchers, uh, college pitchers specifically, that are going to go in the back of the first round. And one other main factor, especially in the high school ranks, is we haven't been able to see anybody play in three to four months now. Yeah, yeah. High school players barely had a season, if any. Colleges had a few games. Yeah, it's it's definitely with with all baseball seasons kind of shutting down in college and high school not coming back. Uh, it, it's going to create a lot of uh, well, not create. It's going to leave a lot of unknowns unknown for scouts and for front offices that are heading into this draft. Um, and, and I think you know with college players, there there's more da- data that's readily available in terms of how they perform not only this season but previous seasons. Um, you know, almost all major schools have TrackMan installed and they can use that data when selecting in this draft. Uh, you know, Brad, I know you mentioned Asa Lacey. I think that's a prospect I'm really excited to see pitching the pros. Um, I, I wish the Rays had any sliver of a chance to be able to draft him. That's just not going to be the case. He's going to go top five, definitely top 10, but most likely top five. Um, but I, I do want to look at some more players that Rays fans can expect the Rays to go after in this year's draft. Now, I've looked through some of the major national writers' uh, mock drafts, and I think they're all, you know, good and well and good. But at D-Rays Bay, our, our great writers at D-Rays Bay have put out some mock drafts, and including I think we had a fan post mock draft as well. But, but yeah. Brad, let's, let's go to you first. In, in your mock draft, you, uh, who did you have the race taking? Why do you think this would be an interesting selection? And uh, just go all in. Okay. All right. I should probably go pull that up because, uh, <laughs> because my, every time I look at this crop of players that could go around the Rays pick, um, uh, you know, I start, I start reading something or watching video on a different, uh, on someone else and, I, and my mind starts mm-hmm. changing. I'm like, man, you know, but that guy would be awesome too. And it's like, can we just take, 10 15 players at that pick or I have to settle on one it's so difficult (laughs) um but I did so I wrote an article it was man was it a month ago now geez wow um wow okay it was a month ago uh and I wrote up JT Jin um or or yeah uh right-handed pitcher at a Mississippi State and I might be stealing a little bit of um JT Morgan's thunder here because uh, (laughs) I hear that he may have an article going up soon with the same player in it. I don't know. <laughs> um, but really like this guy. Um, and it's, you can't really tell, 
in the numbers unless you you really look close because he only has one full season uh, in college and he threw something like uh, 83 innings or so. Uh, was it 86 innings uh, last year? Um, and he struck out 105 in 86 innings. So, you know, almost 11 strikeouts per nine. Um, walk rate was really low for, you know, for a 20 year old at two walks per nine. Um, but I mean, that looks fine. The ERA was, was 3.13 and that's okay. That's good. Um, but it doesn't really like just jump off the paper, like a first round pick, you know, really what you're looking at is his, his, his pitches, um, his build, um, his projectability to be a starter in the majors. Um, and when it, when we're talking about this player, it's really his, his top two pitches, his fastball and his slider have been, um, graded as high as plus plus on both of them. So we're looking at a guy with potential two plus plus pitches, um, from the right side in his fastball and slider. And, and when you say that to me as a Rays fan, I think peak Chris Archer, I'm like, man, you know, that the, the season or two that we had at, at Chris Archer's peak with the Rays was, I mean, it was electric, you know, you, yeah. some, sometimes you didn't know if, if he was going to be on or if he was going to be a little wild, but when he was on, it was electric. Um, so I would be really excited to see them take uh, Jen at, at 24. I th- yeah, I think that would be a really interesting selection. You look at the, the profile of pitchers that the Rays have been going after, um, you know, for, for the last few years, high strikeout, low walk, um, electric stuff, nasty slider. I think that is, is a pitcher that not only the Rays, the rest of baseball would love to have on their roster, but uh, JT, uh, what, what do you think makes JT Jin such a great prospect coming out of Mississippi state? He has two of the most electric pitches in the class. If it wasn't for, if, if he didn't go down with Tommy John surgery this spring, he likely would be a top 10 pick right now. The wow. Rays wouldn't have a shot at him. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think that is a guy they need to look at. And the Rays have, have never really shied away from pitchers who have had, uh, you know, Tommy John in the past. And they've actually, you know, gone out of their way to find pitchers that they can get really good value out of because they've had Tommy John surgery in the yep. past. Um, looking around, Danny Russell, uh, in his mock draft, he went with the Rays, taking Cade Cavalli, another right-handed pitcher out of Oklahoma. Uh, Holman Lee had taking Dylan Dingler, a catcher out of Ohio State. Now, I know we've talked about the amount of college pitchers in this year's draft that are good enough to be taken in the first round. But Dylan Dingler, as a catcher, is an interesting selection. I think the last time the Rays took a catcher in the first round was Nick Schufo, uh, which didn't go all that well. But, but Brad, Dylan Dingler, is he good enough for the Rays to be looking at in the first round? I mean, I think you just have to get him for that name alone, right? <laughs> it is the I best mean, name I've seen. That's, that's an 80-grade baseball name Dylan Dingler um out of Ohio State I mean a catcher towards the end of the first round like you said Nick Schufo um that was a while ago but yeah he was a he was a high school catcher yeah. um 
so, so it's a little different here. We have a little bit more information on, on Dylan Dingler now. He's, you know, he's 21. He's done some really great things at o Ohio State. He's, he's known well for his defense. Um, so it would be nice to draft a defense first catcher where you know um, you, you kind of have that, that set of tools to, to fall back on. If the bat doesn't develop, he's, at, he's got a pretty high floor in that regard. Uh, he calls a good game. He's got a good arm, um, things like that. But what, when you start looking at the numbers in some of the videos from this year in particular, that the short season that he had, I think it was like 58 plate appearances. Mm -hmm. the, the ball just started flying off of his bat this year. Uh, and because of that, I think we're seeing his name start to creep up the board. Um, you know, like a month or two months ago, we were seeing him going second round, comp round, and now I'm seeing mocks with him going before the Rays even pick at, at 24. So um, I don't know if that would surprise me if that happened uh, next week in the, in the real draft, but if he's still available there at 24 when the Rays pick, I think they really got to consider him. I know it's a strong college pitching class, and it would be mm -hmm. tough to pass up on some of the college pitchers if if they fall to the Rays there. But uh, I mean, I I really like Dylan Dingler. I, I'd I'd be totally fine. I, I would love it if they picked him there. You look at his, his stats at Ohio State, and and for this past season, extremely small small sample size. We have to preface it with that. But his OBP there in his in his three years went from three thirty two in his first year, three ninety two his in last year, and then all the way up to four oh four this past season. His OPS went up as well, 701 to 816 to 1164. And again, really small sample size in the year 2020, but he had already, you know, set a career high in home runs at Ohio State this past year. You know, he hit four his freshman year, three his sophomore year, and then it was all the, all the way up to five home runs already this year through, through 58 plate appearances. So, yeah. yeah, like you said, Brad, I think this is a catcher that not only it would be a great defensive selection, but I think – has a lot of pop in his bat as well. But, but JT, what are your thoughts on taking catchers in the first round in general? I'm not a fan of first round catchers. It's the most risky demographic. And specifically with this draft, there are just so many good pitchers out of the SEC and ACC specifically. Yeah, it would definitely be a stretch. And, and it, but I do like what Brad said. If he's available, if he's there, the Rays definitely have to consider it. And again, it's, it's so hard to sell because in baseball, very much unlike you'd see in, in other sports, you're not necessarily drafting to fill positional needs because these players aren't going to be on your active roster for at least another two years um, and sometimes four or five, six years down the road. So it is not always take the best player available, but it, a lot of times if, if there's a run on starting pitchers in the first round, that doesn't necessarily mean that the Rays – are not going to have another pitcher that they like or they'd be willing to take in the first round. Or they might look at a guy like Dingler and say, this player, you know, how, how well do we grade him for the catching position? Because you don't always need the same amount of production at catcher to make that player a, a valuable catcher because of the type of numbers yep. that catchers typically put up. But looking around, uh, I saw some consensus between Scott Grower of D-Rays Bay. He had the Rays taking Nick Lofton, um, a shortstop out of Baylor. And that was also in the CBS Sports latest mock draft. Now, I will say we were recording this 
about a week and a half before, or about a week before the draft actually starts. We're recording this on a Thursday before the week of the draft. So there are, you know, there's going to be more information about as we get closer to the draft. Mocks might change um, as, as some of these national writers, you know, collect more information. Um, but Nick Lofton, a shortstop out of Baylor, I think this would be an interesting selection because the Rays have so many middle infield prospects. And last year, they took a college shortstop out in the first round um, with yeah. uh, what his name is like. Greg uh, Jones, right? Greg Jones, yeah. The shortstop out of UNC uh, Wilmington yeah. or UNC Greensboro. Um, but he might look – he might uh, transition to the outfield at some point in his professional career. Um, but, Brad, w- would it shock you if the Rays went with another shortstop here with Nick Lofton? <laughs> um. Would it shock me? No, it, it wouldn't be my pick um, just because the, the power um, it, there's not a whole lot of power in his bat from, from what I can see. Um, he's got good contact skills. He's got good defense. Um, he can play all around the field um, and he looks like he's going to be uh, at least an adequate shortstop at the major league level defensively uh, as well. So that's, that's great. Um, but there's a lot of pressure. I mean, I guess playing shortstop takes a lot of pressure off your bat. But, I mean, the bat has to be something to, to play at the major league level. So, if, uh, I, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't really thought about comps for Nick Lofton. But when you look at guys like Lucius Fox in, in the Rays system right now, where he's a good defensive shortstop, but the bat hasn't developed at all, that's – that's what worries me here with, with Nick Lofton is, you know, is that bat going to come around? Is it going to play when he starts seeing more advanced pitching uh, and they know that there's not a lot of power behind that bat, they're going to start being more aggressive um, and he could get exposed. Yeah. And, and, and before we move on to some other prospects we're looking at in the draft, I really like Bryce Jarvis, the right-handed pitcher uh, out of Duke. I know Keith Law had the Rays taking him in, in his latest mock draft. I think he's going to come out with one more before the draft actually starts. Uh, that is Keith Law of the Athletic. Um, but Jarvis is a guy, another one that's got high strikeout stuff at Duke through only um, how many innings did he throw? 27 innings in 2020. Again, extremely small sample size. Struck out 40 batters in 27 innings uh, and only walked two. <laughs> um, so yeah. this is a guy that I think the Rays, and, and, and those numbers, a lot higher than they were in previous years for him. He, he, his walk rate was definitely higher during his previous years at Duke. But I think this is a guy the Rays are definitely going to take a good long look at if he's available because he's another one that could go, you know, into the top 20 but could slip into that competitive balance round in the first round uh, or, or all the way into the second round because uh, his velo jumped a, a good chunk in this year, and I think he's becoming um, a better pitcher very quickly but the Rays, they like I said, they take they have the number twenty four overall pick in the first round. And they pick thirty seventh overall in the competitive balance round. Yep, that's right. And yeah, and, and Bryce Jarvis, um, you know, depending on which list you you look at or or which mock you looked at, um, he could be right around there at thirty seven. I'm looking at Baseball America's top five hundred right now, and he is the number thirty seven. Uh, top prospect right now, uh, according to this list anyway. So, um, you know, like we've been saying with so many good college pitchers in this, in this crop, um, you got to think the Rays are going to take at least one uh, within these first couple of picks. So 
if they do uh, do something like catcher uh, in the first round, or even if they take a college pitcher in the first round, it doesn't really matter. Uh, Bryce Jarvis being available at 37, you think they got to consider it? Yeah, and, and Jarvis is if you're if he's available at 24, but there are still other guys that either you like more or you like just as much. You might take someone else and say, hey, maybe maybe Jarvis will follow us by the time we pick again. And if, if he's there at 37, and there's no other like can't miss guys, I would love to see the Rays take Bryce Jarvis. I think that would be another great addition to this draft class. Uh, before we head on, move on to the later later part of this episode, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we are back here on Raise Your Voice. Again, I am joined by Bradley Nevue and JT Morgan. Uh, And we're talking about the MLB draft. And we spent the first half of the show talking about players that you could expect to go high up in the first round and some players that the Rays might take a look at in the first round. But there are more than just the first round uh, in this weekend's draft. Only five, but there are more picks. Uh, But JT, are there any prospects that you think fans should keep an eye on for the later rounds in this draft? Well, I'm not a fan of taking catchers early in the draft. You do have to take them at some point. Mm-hmm. So I do like Kale Emshoff out of uh, Arkansas Little Rock. Okay. It's a defensive catcher with big raw power. He missed 2019 with Tommy John surgery and performed well when he came back this year. And and, and Brad, you know, are, are there any players that, you know, maybe included in your mock that uh... – Maybe, you know, they won't go to the Rays because it's so hard to project how, how a draft's going to go in the later rounds. But guys that you really like in this class? Yeah, sure. Uh, um, before getting to the mock that I wrote, uh, if we want to stick with the catcher theme, because that seems to be no, the big theme of, of, uh, of, this, of this podcast, I just want to throw out there, if, if, if Dingler doesn't happen, you know, uh, God forbid we don't get Dylan Dingler. Um, <laughs> You got you got a couple of high school catchers that we could pick uh, in, in the comp round or or even the second round in Drew Romo and Kevin Parada that and they both um, you know there's there's write ups all over the internet on both of these guys they look good they sound good um, so it, you know like JT was saying you know you do got to draft them at some point so if if we kind of strike out on them in, in the in the first round in the comp round I'd like to see them uh, pick one. Uh, a little bit later in this draft because I, I do think you know this draft is is kind of full or, or it looks good on college pitchers and catchers as well so it'd be nice to take advantage of that while we can um, but in my article um, I have Enrique Bradfield going round two pick 57 to the Rays um, in large part for his 80 grade speed in center field he looks like an amazing center field defender um, and I'm sure he's still a little raw uh, because, I mean, he's a high schooler, but man, the tape on him just looks good. Um, there, there's going to be issues there, or there may be issues there with the power behind the bat, like I was talking about with like Nick Lofton or, or uh, you know, the Ray's own Xavier uh, Edwards or, or Lucius Fox. 
but um, when you have a chance to take an 80 grade tool that late in the draft, I think uh, you got to heavily consider it. Yeah. And it's similar, I think to Greg Jones, who they took last year in the first round, a high speed guy that could move to a position like center field or anywhere in the outfield. And he performed very well in his, in his first year of professional baseball. Um, but it, it's going to be interesting. It's it, again, the Rays, you know, or no, no major league team really drafts or positional needs. You draft where you think you can get the most value out of a player once it's time for them to play on an active roster. But I want to move on to the segment of this show that, that really makes this show. You know, I brought you guys on here for, for your expertise on the draft and for your insight that I think all of our fans will enjoy. But I really want you guys to be able to raise your voice. That is the name of the game here. There, we've talked about the thought shortening the five rounds. Now, this has been met with a lot of blowback from – uh, from writers, from people that are involved in the college game or the high school game. And, and, and JT, I guess I'll start with you. It, is, was shortening to five rounds the right decision? I don't know if it was the right decision for five sp- specifically. It had to be shorter. Yeah. And what the, was there? Would you look at maybe 10 rounds, 20 rounds? How short should it have been? I think I would have preferred 10 and the bigger deal is the 20,000 cap for undrafted free agents. Okay. And what impact will that have on teams in in baseball? It makes it where you basically can only sign, you know, filler. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of players are going to choose to, to go back. And I think, that, that the data will be, you know, five, 10 years from now, when you see how many players from this draft class have made it to the major leagues, how many have had productive careers in the major leagues, but, but Brad, what say you? Yeah. Um, no, I agree. I would have liked to have seen 10 rounds. I don't know that there's a big difference in, you know, the reason that we have uh, five rounds is because of COVID-19 mm-hmm. um, because, you know, we weren't able to, scout out as many players uh they want to keep people social distancing through through the draft and and, and think things of that nature um i don't know that the difference between five rounds and ten rounds would have would have been that big uh in that regard but for the players that get drafted between you know round five and round ten that's huge that's massive so i would have liked to have seen that um but it is what it is i i am curious to see you know, with the cap being $20,000 for undrafted free agents, um, those guys that thought that they were going to go look, think about like senior, you know, college seniors yeah, that, that were thinking they were going to go somewhere between round six and round 10, they were going to get a pretty good chunk of change. And now they're going to be an undrafted free agent and the max they can take is 20 grand. So they just took a huge pay cut. Um, and they still may have a chance at, at um you know go, going for their dream and making it to the majors and things like that but it, in in today's state uh in the minor leagues you're making pennies a lot of yeah. these guys rely on their signing bonus to live off of for the three four five sometimes six or seven years that you're in the minors before you make it to the majors you're almost making no money at all um, so these guys live off of their signing bonuses. So you're going to have a lot of guys 
that are just broke in the minors mm-hmm. because they, they signed for 20 grand and they have to try to figure out how to live for five years on that while they try to make it to the majors. And, and I think that speaks to an even bigger issue than just the draft in terms of how major league clubs pay their minor leaguers and, and how minor league baseball is seen as a whole by Rob Manfred in major league baseball. Brad, do you think with the $20,000 cap on players uh, to, that are not drafted to sign, will that put any teams at an advantage or a disadvantage like the Rays who are a small market team who don't have the payrolls that some of the other uh, big league clubs have? What impact will that have? Well, that's a good question. I could kind of see it going both ways. I I don't have a a great answer for that because you look at, you know, teams like the Yankees or or the Dodgers or or the Red Sox, and they just have more money than they know what to do with. They could go out and sign every undrafted free agent for $20,000, you know, where they're going to put them. That's another story, but they have the money to do that. Um, Whereas the Rays, it looks like a bargain for them to get a lot of these guys at $20,000. And, and I hope that they utilize that. Um, But I am curious to see what teams are really going to actively be, you know, trying to get as many players to sign for $20,000 and what teams are going to take a step back and say, you know what, minor league is contracting anyway let's wait till next year. We'll just save our, our money. Uh, so I don't know which teams are going to go in which direction with that. It's tough to say because you could sign a bunch of these guys and then you may not have anywhere to put them because yeah. the minor leagues are contracting. And even if, you know, the, let's, let's be honest, the player, the, the best players that aren't drafted are most likely not going to sign the top tier players. They're going to go back and either use another year of eligibility in college. They're going to go to college. They're going to look at other options now, but the best players that actually do sign that aren't drafted. And we got to be honest with ourselves again here. If you've got a $20,000 offer from the Rays and $20,000 offers from the Dodgers and the Yankees, now it's no longer a money thing. The Rays can't offer you more money to try to convince you to sign with them. Even though, you know, if you're a player, you're, you're, you might not be trying to go to the biggest market team or the most successful team. You might be looking at what's best for you. JT, do you think teams would be put at a disadvantage like the Rays? I'm not comparing the Rays to like the Detroit Tigers or the Baltimore Orioles, but do you think teams that aren't as much of a, a glamorous selection at the big league level, do you think they'll be at a disadvantage this year? I think teams that have a development history are going to be at an advantage. So. Okay. That's good for the Rays. The Rays are in a pretty good spot here. Although, so are the Dodgers and Yankees specifically. But Yeah. uh, The Rays are one of the top teams, especially if you were a pitcher that wanted to have, you know, take your shot. Like, there are very few other teams that you would rather sign. If the money is no different, you might as well. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a good point. And what the Rays have done over the last, really, you know, the last 15 years, I think, it, it speaks to how they can develop talent, how they de- can develop pitchers specifically. You've got two Cy Young Award winners with the Rays um, that were both drafted uh, to the team. Um, I, I think that is a great yeah. sign for the Rays. But, yeah, you know, if, if I'm the best player and I do decide to sign in, in the Rays, we've seen it from players publicly – 
maybe their 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 dream or their idea of their dream of playing in the big leagues isn't necessarily at Tropicana Field. It might be at Dodger Stadium or Yankee Stadium. With that being said, though, I don't think that's going to hurt the Rays to a point where we can notice it um, statistically when it comes to production when these guys do play. I have no idea how many undrafted free agents are going to sign. It really depends how these first five rounds go and what options these guys have available. Because when it comes to the college game, and I am more, you know, I'm, I am a fan of the college game. I'm, I, I cover Florida State baseball, and I've, you know, seen some programs all around the state and the country. Rosters are going to look completely different next year because the NCAA gave players an extra year of eligibility, and they're, I think, loosening, if not removing. Um, caps for how many players you can have on scholarship because you've got a freshman class coming in and you've also got guys that were either going to leave early for the draft or it was their senior year that have been awarded a whole nother year of eligibility how teams are going to manage that I don't know I, I think you might see freshmen or high school seniors that were going to become college freshmen that don't sign with big league clubs not going to D1 schools they might go the junior college route because that provides you so much more flexibility when it comes to entering the draft next year, if you go to a D1 school, you've either got to play three years there or you've got to turn 21 within 40 days of the draft. If you go junior college, you could play one season there, head back to the draft, sign with a big league club and move on with your career. Um, so I don't know what this draft class will look like five or 10 years from now, which just kind of makes it more interesting. This is unprecedented. This is uncharted territory. But Brad, JT, any final thoughts or any, anything else you want to raise your voice on when it comes to the draft this year? The biggest thing I've heard about is there are a handful of teams that are going to have significant budget cutbacks even beyond what the, budget, the pool they could spend in this draft. And that's going to cause some very interesting dynamics to try to get, you know, underslot every single pick and whether players are going to be forced to take those under uh, you know, under slot uh, deals or whether another team is going to be able to step up and, you know, s sign more players or not more players, but, you know, have guys fall to where they can, you know, pay them even a full slot bonus on a lesser, uh, at a lesser, you know, draft pick. Mm -hmm. is going to be uh, something to watch. Definitely, yeah, that's a, for sure. So that's, that's a good point you make. Uh, and that, that gets me thinking, you know, when you have a 40-round draft, if you go significantly over slot in a couple of your first picks, you've got 35 picks after that to, to fix that, to, to go a little under slot or, you know, give $10,000 to the, you know, picks – whatever 20 through 40 or whatever it is and you can and you can kind of finagle your way and, you know fix that when you have five rounds six picks you don't there's not as much room to fix that you know and and so mm -hmm. I want I do wonder you know if the Rays go best player available at 24 and it's a high school player and they have to significantly pay over slot to get him to sign how's that going to shake out for the rest of the draft or it, it, you know do we save money in the first round and then and then it, we can afford to um, go over slot on in the comp round or, or the second or third round something like that so I think the implications of over slot under slot 
they're going to weigh heavier in, in, in this draft just because you don't have all those rounds afterwards to kind of fix what you did in the first couple of rounds. I think those, those are all great points, and there are a lot of question marks about this year's draft, which is, I think might make it an even better TV product. Uh, the, you know, the, the draft for Major League Baseball doesn't always bring in the same TV numbers as what we see in the NBA or the NFL, but I'll definitely be tuning in also because there's no uh, Rays baseball to be watching, uh, at least not yet this coming weekend. But that is going to be it for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. Thank you guys for listening. If you subscribe to this feed, you'll get new episodes of Raise Your Voice as well as the hit show. We're smack dab in the middle of their most beloved Rays player bracket, so make sure to check them out. They've got some great stuff. If your platform allows it, rating and reviewing this show is the best way to spread the B-Rays Bay podcast network so that more Rays fans can find us. I want to thank my guests, Bradley Nevue and JT Morgan. Also, make sure to keep checking out the great writing on DRaceBay.com, including from these two gentlemen. And uh, we'll be back next week with a draft recap. I'll see you guys then.